so obviously as a, a game journalist who has disrupted the the default of this reactionary uh standard uh, or questioned it at all you have been subject to some uh, interesting commentary from the peanut gallery hate mail was surprisingly low on this but uh mm-hmm. but reddit reddit and and slash dot and a couple other places definitely had some things to say what got the most hate mail from your handful of gaming articles so uh criticizing oliver oliver north didn't did not go over <laughs> uh, there is definitely some some feelings about troop disrespect um in general uh that has definitely been uh been probably the biggest thing i've gotten friction on um i really the the arguments are so like it's it's the same stuff you hear over and over again which is like reading people reading that saying like oh yeah invading foreign countries well there's nothing political about that so this is ridiculous and and it's it's just wild that like we're still having this conversation so this is our our salt mine segment where we find the saltiest gamer comments and we read them aloud to our delight and disgust uh i have this one from kotaku in action from zero hunt uh, when you're so far left that even Mao would consider you too extreme, then yeah, everything looks conservative. Uh, <laughs> so I, I guess congratulations on uh, surpassing Mao in your terms I, of that, political theory. And uh, that seems like a big milestone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that your next article. I've heard your next article will be landlords and um sparrows and why they should both be killed <laughs> i think it's sparrows with mal wasn't it uh i i i'm not i'm gonna get it wrong off the top of my head i uh, will we'll, we'll edit in the correct reference to oh no no part. in 1960 mao zedong edited the campaign against sparrows and rejected <laughs> the focus towards bed bugs so <laughs> okay i'm gonna go i want to go on the record i am anti-bed bugs Wow, what a I can't believe what a communist viewpoint. I know, just like Mao Zedong. So uh just right off the bat too, uh one thing that's that's wild is like uh, especially on Slashdot, the, the uh the accusations of bias right off the bat are are like pretty hilarious <laughs> to me. And that's I mean, I've never written for like a newspaper or someplace that was uh trying to like trying to be unbiased, I guess. Like the stuff I write, I'm like very clear about where i stand and i am super biased like i i am I'm, I'm not approaching this from somewhere where i'm trying to be like uh, <laughs> not biased about it so i i it, like people were like uh treating it like it was like a yeah. mystery that they solved which is like, real. <laughs> <laughs> oh scooby-doo and the mystery gang really solved this one oh. yeah this, like, then, oh, they pulled off the mask of this game journalist. It turns out it's a, a leftist game journalist. Yeah, I, I'm sure like the third time I said something about capitalism being bad, <laughs> they probably put it together. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the one thing I want to get across is, you know, everyone has biases. You know, the human brain is such an imperfect filter through which we all absorb our information that even the most disciplined person can never truly become an un- unbiased individual. Like we're all so affected by our, our, our life experiences and our circumstances that like 
this idea of objectivity and non non bias is just completely absurd. And like, it's really yeah. the people who claim extremely loudly that they're unbiased and apolitical that are really the people you got to watch out for because usually those are the most reactionary dipshits around. Yeah, and I am very like I. I... I try to disclose anything that might be a conflict of interest. I'm very like that sort of stuff is, is like super important to me, but like the The (laughs) full disclosure for this review of Sonic the Hedgehog is that uh, I've always been very into his feet. So my score may (laughs) reflect higher than than the standard review. I'm writing like knuckles fanfics. So everybody should know that. (laughs) Right right off the bat. Uh, But what's, what's buck wild about that is that like, the whole ethics and game journalism thing w- was like an awesome smokescreen for everybody for five years where no one actually ever worried about like all the huge ethical issues. Like, like mm. a couple days ago, IGN's doing promoted tweets for like games that are coming out, like go buy them or like, you know, mm-hmm. GameStop <laughs> and Game Informer being connected or like E3 being a huge boondoggle. Like none of that is stuff that anybody ever worried about, but we're super worried that like someone might have bias when they're writing a review of something. It, it's, it's real fascinating about like what gets worried about there. Yeah. That drew in all sorts of dipshits. So Innuendo Studios created a series of like, why are you so angry? <laughs> which is like the short history of Anita Sarkeesian. And they also made like a retrospective on Gamergate as a whole. And the whole fucking ethics and gaming journalism was such a successful smokescreen that it drew in like credulous rubes who would cape oh, for yeah. them, like John Bain. I mean, I absolutely, I, I, I totally understand like thinking like, yeah, like ethics and gaming journalism is good. Like, like that's, <laughs> it's, it's such an, like, I obviously like, you, you can get people behind that. It's just like if you go two steps further where you see it all fall apart like a house of cards. Yeah, I'm actually against ethics and gaming journalism. I think we should be supremely unethical, which is why I'm starting my own game review uh, called Coke Bros Reviews. Uh, I'm not disclosing where our money comes from, but uh, we're buying a mansion. Uh, but no, uh yeah, you can read the next uh, another thing, uh, Reese. I want to get to the Bizarro World version of the article soon, though. Oh, okay. Uh, I just wanted to read this one um, because I really enjoyed one uh, one phrase in here, mm-hmm. and I believe this is from Slashdot. Horrifying is irrelevant, but yes, obviously judgments uh, should be left to readers. Anyone who uses the term "imperial" to describe an action by an entity other than an emperor, <laughs> we can safely say is biased, trash, and has no business being a headline. <laughs> and probably wouldn't have been if had it. It probably wouldn't have been if it had been properly user submitted and voted on. And I really love how it's it not. It's not only a problem with the article, but it's a problem with the community for daring put it it in front of his eyes. But the line "you can't use imperial unless an emperor is involved" is <laughs> such an incredible pedantic point to me that I just wanted to share. This is also about the U.S. invasion of Granada. Uh, <laughs> just, just to be clear. <laughs> So uh, real quick, the, actually, my, my favorite comment that I got, and, and this seems to be a ongoing theme, someone on Kotaku in action and someone on Twitter separately 
both accused, I guess, multiple outlets of coordination because <laughs> multiple of these stories came out in, you know, uh, actually like two or three of them dropped on one day and there were a couple of them like within a week. The thing about that is like, why would you think that multiple different organizations are, are colluding here instead of just the fact that like once a week, some video game guy says, no, this is not political. And we're having this conversation over and over, <laughs> over Like the, the reason this has came up and the, and the reason I didn't want to write about like arguing about whether this is political or not is there are like, this has been written about like 5,000 times. And it's usually on a level of like, well, are video games political? Uh, mm. and, and it's because like- We may never know. Like, we, while we're having this conversation, somebody else will say, like, our game is not political at all. Like, while I was yeah. writing this article, I had to rewrite it, like, five times because like, <laughs> it's happening over and over again. I, and I love that there's, like, again, between, like, a whole bunch of organizations that are often competitive with each other and would never coordinate anything, like, that there's this awesome, like, the libs are having, like, some deep covert operation to, like coordinate five different articles at the same time it's just so finally video games will be destroyed by these five opinion articles on the internet yeah like what's the <laughs> what what's the like better like what are what would people be coordinating for especially like giant corporations that only care about cash like yeah we're gonna put five of these out so we all get less clicks on them mm -hmm. like that that mm -hmm. seems like a real deep idea to me I have a vision in my head of like a true detective season one, just like a dark circle of game journalists worshiping like a goat's head. And then they're getting their assignments of the, their, the video game takedown of the week for their ritually murder. Um, it is a poor uh, League of Legends player. <laughs> it's real telling, though, that it goes to that whole like persecution complex. These people have to position themselves as under attack somehow. And like mm. they're under by the super liberal gaming press that like in general is not that liberal overall and it's just wild to me that everything has to be like some sort of deep operation to somehow remove them from games oh, that segues so fucking well into our next topic which is the bizarro world version of your article from humanevents.com we talked about it last time we talked about it with danya and it's the left is at war over one last conservative cultural bastion, gaming. Which is such a great companion piece to your article, I, I think, because it's like, it is like the Bizarro World version of your article where it's somebody arguing exactly that gaming as a culture is conservative, but it's under attack, like you said, this persecution complex. And going even further into it, we discovered that the writer who made this works for like a fucking conservative think tank group that by its own description is supposed to counter like leftist propaganda, quote unquote, and has ties to oil companies like ExxonMobil and fucking William F. Buckley. Did you get a chance to read this article, Josh? Yeah, I did. And, um... One is like a whole bunch of the same players that you're going to see. Like Mark Kern gets interviewed. Mm -hmm. uh, like <laughs> our, our favorite, our favorite jagged tooth maw of gaming. 
<laughs> no, no surprise there. Interestingly, a uh, a Kotaku article uh, gets cited to support their cause in this case, which um, is an interesting flip. That's like one of the first times I've I've ever seen that happen. And then um, also. Another person who was interviewed for this uh, just happened to be one of the same people who was on Twitter just asking questions about whether the piece that I dropped was part of a coordinated mm-hmm. effort, uh, which is fascinating. I, is that, I do. Think is that Sophia Narwitz? Yes, it is, who I believe she's a libertarian pundit of some sort. Mm. I am not 100%. To me... This accusation of coordination and like nefarious plotting comes across 100% as projection in light of like, there are fucking articles out here 100% funded by like billionaire oil money in order to like inculcate our entire culture in like reactionary conservatism. Yeah, and and again, not to fall back on using Gamergate as an example, but like we're talking about like a coordinated effort to harass people, like done through several channels and with multiple different leaders on a level that I I can't think of the left ever doing anything like that in, in video games. Like, and and somehow it's the left that is uh, doing some nefarious organization yeah. behind the scenes. Well, they've they've completely like equivocated people like George Soros. To the type of like Coke brother shell outlets like this organization that create like complete propaganda pieces. They've convinced themselves that George Soros is like a leftist agent vying for like global communism or some shit. Yeah, I, I think like it's pretty telling that on one end you have One American News and on the other hand you have like CNN and both things that fall on the right half of the spectrum, but mm. but one of those is seen as like I, by those standards, CNN is communist more or less, yeah. which is uh, <laughs> yeah. like real interesting. Uh, but I mean, we're all when we're Mao, everything looks conservative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess that that is a fair argument. <laughs> I think your point though that this this piece is essentially. Making like several of the same arguments that I'm making, uh, <laughs> but it's a good thing though. <laughs> yeah, just saying like yeah, and we need to make sure it stays that way. Um, which is as a real fascinating again, like pulling the curtain back, and and in this case, like you know, no one's going into a rage about yeah. a conservative saying it, but you know, if if somebody on the left says it, it's grounds for uh, total outrage to fill hundreds of diapers. <laughs> they're basically the living embodiment of that mark simpson mean which he's sitting on the couch going it's true but they shouldn't say it anytime you're like you hate gay people and they're they get mad about it and they're like well yeah i do hate gay people i'm conservative of course i just hate that i just hate that you're bringing it up because you know that makes me look bad it, it's like that across the board yeah exactly it's just like you're just trying to make me look bad <laughs> The other, uh, the other stuff that I ran into in a, in a similar vein while I was researching, like I, I tried to find some conservative arguments about like things not being politics. And like one of them came down to like, then everything's politics. And I guess we shouldn't worry about any of it then. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, you're, you're close, but I might come to a different conclusion based on that, that same information. <laughs> Maybe we should worry about all of it. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, that's sort of been like the premise 
from day one of this show is that everything to an extent is political and i think that the most dangerous thing that you can do is assume that the status quo is apolitical in some way uh, mm -hmm. as we've talked about i'm not 100 percent sure where this this idea of things being political being bad is from because it's just such a, a deeply ridiculous viewpoint because so much of human society is predicated on politics it's such a hugely important thing that just burying your head in the sand about politics is just such a stupid thing to do and these reactionary like gamergate chuds and kotaku in action they're not really ignoring politics they are 100 percent caping for the kind of reactionary politics that have been enshrined as the de facto one of the things that i ended up t talking about with pat wyman for a while that i i couldn't quite figure out how to work into this is uh some of our like rejection of things being political feels like it might in part be an outgrowth of the fact that people feel so helpless and so disconnected from what politics is in in america and a lot of other countries where like all politics is to us is you're on one essentially football team, either Democrat or Republican, and every four years you go vote probably just for president, and that's it. And like everything else is like we feel very disconnected, and there aren't a lot of ways to express that. And, and Wyman's view is that even in societies that didn't have democracy or like you had feudal lords or whatever else, oftentimes people had like a voice and like expectations of what they were owed and like outlets to voice grievances it feels like we don't have a lot of that and so like i think a, a big a, a big push from from the right and the left but particularly from the right because of the status quo is that well politics is like something different from everyday life and i'm like more or less connect disconnected from it like it doesn't it exists totally separately from everything else. And, you know, politics is when I cast a ballot. And other than that, everything else is, is like something that exists in a, in a completely different universe from that. And I think that is really telling about how, how people think about like the impacts of why can't we just get along, even though we're on different sides of the spectrum? Cause like mm -hmm. none of it has any real, none of it has consequences. It's, it's not like, who gets to eat or live or die it's like something totally separate from that and I, I think that really filters all the way down to to our entertainment and how how we think that's all just like completely separated i think too is that at least in america for the past you know 20 years or so what the, the theater that has been on display has been between two sides that are much closer than they would portray themselves sure you know obama you know, advocated for gay marriage when it was the polling was right. But mm -hmm. the difference between him and Mitt Romney is very small in the big scheme of things. There's not actually like a real leftist power. Like even like, you know, Bernie is the closest thing to it. And even then, you know, I, I can sympathize with people like looking at the the nonsense that goes on in the world and just saying like, Everything political, this whole thing that's been brayed at me for the past 20 years is just politics equals lies or nonsense or I don't understand anymore. And I don't blame somebody for reaching that conclusion that, you know, everyone around me is conservative. I've never gone out into the world to 
change my view and there's nothing really from the major media channels to, to tell me otherwise. And so these little blips that do come up, I'm so sedentary and I can't understand this shift. I totally agree with that. And and on top of that too, in, in games in particular, at least with the perceived gamer who like owns an expensive gaming PC or has a bunch of time to play on a console that they bought or whatever, a lot of those people don't really feel the impacts of politics. Like they're not the ones who like can't get health care or don't have a roof over their heads. And so like if it really doesn't matter for you or it, it doesn't, you know, whoever gets voted in, like my parents might complain about it or whatever. But other than that, how does that impact my day to day? If you're fortunate enough that, that that doesn't come down on you, then what are politics except like this ethereal thing that never has any impacts? If like you can't have heat in your house or lights on or like you're in a jail cell or dead like politics are a lot more meaningful yeah and you're probably not playing like 30 hours of rainbow six a week and get get spun up about it if that's the case well you you may even be but you're you're not the uh target you're not a gamer like like uh you're not the target audience that we're aiming at you know which is how that that perception like ends up hurting people in the end this is my my conspiracy theory is that Bernie is a lot more left than he lets on. I think that he's sort of recognized that in, in the American theater of politics, you have to like play the midground like slightly in order to get people on your side without alienating them with uh, terms and rhetoric that has been basically demonized from the Cold War. Well, he's well, been doing this for a very long time and, and has gotten by and continued to get elected for a very long time. And so, like, I think he's a lot more politically savvy than a lot of people get, give him credit for. And I, yeah. I think you're right to some degree on some things like like his international relations are not great. Uh, like he, he like I really don't think he is that far left on some things on other things. I, I do think you're right that that what he really believes is probably much further left than what he's uh, positing. Damn, plus here's this great tweet by him. If there's gonna be class warfare in this country, it's about time the working class won that war. We're gonna wow, kill the bad. sparrows. We're gonna kill the <laughs> landlords. <laughs> and we're, then not we're coming bad. for the bed bugs. <laughs> I think the, the one, um, to me, like, I, I, I tend to agree. But I think the one thing where Bernie is particularly weak on is that he has been in the institution of power for decades and decades. So you get things like him having like heartfelt reactions to John McCain. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's, he because always he's fucking the, talks about these ghouls. Like my friend for a very long time, John McCain, just like, don't be friends with shitheads like that. I think you're right. I think that's a, that comes out of, you know, doing the job for decades and, and being around those people and, and, and getting, you know, I mean, he is a part of the system, like very clearly. For sure. All right. Um, let us, do we have time for the Ooblis thing or is that just going to make it too long? That man, it's going to be a two part episode. And anyway, do you want to do the Ooblitz thing? I just wanted to read out the thing that made gamers so furious at them. No, I think it's worth. I think it's worth talking about because it is. It is over the top. All right. Uh, just so uh, for a little context overall, there's been a lot of. There's been basically a cycle of game dev rage seems that seems to be spinning up, where gamers are becoming like more and more sensitive 
to each little comment. Like we saw it when Arena Net fired Jessica Price for being salty at the gamer. And she she was rude. And you know what? Who fucking cares? Like, get a sick skin, uh, you dipshits. Mm-hmm. Um, but like now, like it's to the point where people got really mad and harassed the Ooblets devs because they went to the Epic Game Store. And the Epic Game Store is doesn't have a shopping cart and some countries, you know, can't buy the games. It's it's a true gamer tragedy that those things happen, and uh, you know we all weep for it. Still, the amount that people freak out over it is absurd. I remember in the Chapo Discord, one of the people when the first like announcement. Uh, you know, this is a very supposedly leftist discord, like freaking out, just being like, Steam has a shopping cart. It has the refund system. And it, just watching these supposed socialists like <laughs> cling to this brand because of the services it offers rather than just being like, why don't you just play Vampire or Borderlands 3 like six months later? It's not even a forever exclusive. Like, can we all calm down here? But neither here nor there. The Ublitsev's got a ton of harassment. The he made a big post of just kind of like all the racist shit that uh, posted at him. I I jumped in the Discord just to be a looky loo at the traffic accident uh, that it was, and it was just like a lot of people being like, "I never was going to buy this game, but I just wanted to come and tell you that you're a piece of shit because of what you said about gamers." And then like the bot would you know sweep it away quickly, and. Uh, I just want to read out now what they wrote that infuriated gamers, and then maybe we can have a discussion in general about the, some of the other stuff that's happened. So they had a blog post saying, we did a thing, and it's about all the changes that are happening, and this is their, them addressing angry at Epic, us, the world. We're aware of the backlash that's been hitting games that signed with Epic. I don't expect much of our uniquely lovely community to fit into this weird anti-Epic contingent, but I figured I'd share our thoughts and have an open conversation about the issues. I've read through all the arguments against Epic, and they basically come down to a couple of core issues. EGS doesn't have as many features as other stores. As a user of both Steam and EGS myself, I haven't had any issues with EGS to buy and play games personally, but regarding the features that are still missing, that's just sort of the way software is developed. Things take a lot longer to develop properly than people tend to realize, and nobody comes to market with perfect software. I remember way back when I plopped the disc in for Half-Life 2 to my PC for the first time and was forced to install this new thing called Steam. It was a barely functional mess back then. As anyone who used it at that time can tell you, it's had like 15 years to improve. If it wasn't worthwhile to improve, it wouldn't have been and you wouldn't still be using it. I'm sure there's a team of folks working on the launcher features for EGS, but their work depends on the platform being worthwhile from a market share perspective that's going down. It's anti-consumer to have exclusives. This is the most common complaint about Epic, but I don't think people have really thought it through. I can understand the frustration of having to buy different consoles to play the games you want, but there's no extra cost to use EGS. The store and launcher just require a free sign-up. It's not like you have to pay HBO and Netflix and Hulu to watch all the shows you want. It's more like having to press a button on your remote to change between free TV channels. It's also really disappointing to see folks threatening to pirate a game just because they can't get it on the game launcher they're used to. 
Feeling like you're owed a product of other people's work on your terms or else you steal it is the epitome of the world entitlement that people use to discuss immature toxic gamers. As an aside, uh, I personally am pro-piracy, but I don't think this is an unreasonable way to frame it. Anyways, back to their statement. I get the appeal of wanting to seek out things to get angry about. I think anger is cathartic and natural. But let's have a little perspective about what we decide to get angry about. Look at the things going on around you and ask yourself if there might be anything just a tad more worthwhile to be upset about. Here are a few suggestions. Climate change. Human rights abuses. The new desktop Twitter UI. The last season of Game of Thrones. So let's remember this is all low-stakes video game stuff we're dealing with. Nothing to get worked up about. And it blah, 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 you know, thanks, come to Discord, etc. So that's the tone that was anti-gamer. That insulted the people who care about the Epic Steam thing. And I don't know. To me, it's, it's, it plays into what we were talking before about the victimhood mechanic. Is that you can't even, like, slightly joke around or say anything but oh please dear baby gamer don't fill your dipes in front of me <laughs> um otherwise we'll cry because otherwise they're so entitled they'll just freak out I- i'm sure that you saw this when it was coming up uh josh but what's your general reaction to this game dev hate there's been a couple others that have been happening lately but so on on this particular one to start with Let's be real clear, like whatever problems there are with the Epic Store or Epic's business model or whatever, like what we're talking about with Steam is a huge, gigantic corporation that has a de facto monopoly on game distribution and makes a ton of money through this weird method of digital arbitrage where they're like acting as a middleman and then like acting as a middleman for like selling skins for the guns in CSGO and stuff. People are caping for like this gigantic business that takes a bunch of digital money off top. And there is no better example of like how outrageous things are at this point that this is something that people are mad about. A whole bunch of people who are like, pro the market solving things are super mad that like the giant monopoly would get questioned by anybody because they have to open a second launcher or their friends list doesn't port over or something is just absolutely wild and then on top of that it's the perfect example of how like no one can question anything or like remotely not bow down to the consumers or they they will be inundated with literally death threats and and various other stuff it's just so wild like trying to explain it to people outside of the video games bubble is just absolutely surreal it's absolutely impossible in my um final fantasy 14 guild the entire guild this is uh, literally the longest i've ever seen them talk about anything spent almost an hour freaking out about the epics game store <laughs> just like every, just every, and these are this is not like a, a guild filled with chuds it's it's like mostly people who are like vague like close to bernie warrenish and when i hear when i do hear them talk about politics so i think it's like uniquely left and even they are are it and i see this like talking about across the board is that this this individual connection with my brand experience like is it's not relegated only to conservatives um which i think to me is one of the most interesting parts about it personally because it's easy mm. to like ride write stuff off as like oh this is more chud bs but the epic face store 
is kind of crosses this this boundary of just making everybody mad in a way I find truly baffling. I mean, what they're doing is leveraging their money and power as a corporation, not to compete, but to essentially choke the life out of the PC game market by just buying up as many exclusives as they can, not really providing a better service, but just nakedly throwing cash around so that you can't go anywhere else if you want to play the games that they have. It, it is a consumer's rights issue, but as like Jim Sterling has talked about this issue like ad nauseum for like a video after video, it is also just the effects of capitalism in this industry sure. <laughs> that it's like literally the only way for these big companies to compete with each other. Yeah, like how do you break how do you break a monopoly like what Steam has now? And I guess this is it. Like what what would you even like there is no model for like comp like itch.io is not gonna like take a significant chunk of market from them. So I mean, I'm not saying what Epic is doing is cool and kosher or whatever. Like we're dealing with like giant corporations doing horrible levels of business anyway. And like thinking that like one is somehow more justified than the other is just nuts to me that like like at least when people stand for like a musician they like create something this is like a giant corporation that, that people have just like fallen in love with it's it's just so I, I can't even wrap my head around it and from the creator's perspective it's extremely tempting because like i mean epic basically just gives them an offer they can't refuse indisputably steam as a marketplace has been complete fucking garbage for indie devs for ages now yeah. It's just flooded with asset flips and just trash. And then Epic is over here offering to give you like money up front for your game, a minimum sale amount if you go exclusive with their store and like giving you a better cut of the money you make and just promoting you as like an exclusive. Like the deal, if you're a small game developer, like that deal is so tempting that unless you've literally promised beforehand to make a steam to like put your games on steam there's no reason not to go with it well just in the past uh what week or so uh the the odd world developers put mm -hmm. out a note that was basically i mean they didn't say this out loud but it, it more or less felt like a please understand and don't bombard us as a mob but like we don't have money to finish this game and epic is going to allow us to like do that without going bankrupt so we're, we took the deal and we're like please understand we're going to epic and just Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the tone was, it was so sad that they have to go on bended knee and say, like, please don't come for us because, because yeah. we just want to get paid to make our game. We like, want to actually finish the game we promised we would make. You got to have some empathy, I think, for the game devs being like, listen, this has never had a chance. Like every game like requires like to make it good. It requires a lot of work. And, you know, usually the returns are... You just hope that you can not get homeless and you can you stay in the industry. You hope that PewDiePie, on the winds of magic, discovers your game. Yeah. And you are brought bounties of gold from his incoherent screeching. It is your <laughs> game that he's playing when he screams the N-word again, <laughs> getting 7 million views on YouTube. <laughs> just so we don't gloss over this, too, Reese said something that I think is important. Is like The tone of this is like, you could not be more conciliatory and people still got irate about it. But when 
when somebody like uh, Jessica Price or the um, Apex uh, Legends developers who recently got into it with people, when they actually act human and like lash out that people are nonstop at their throats all the time, like that should be fine and good and allowed. And it is like, it is treated like a transgression against the gaming gods. If you are to like get mad at gamers or like, like show anger on a message board or whatever, then mm. people like it's on at that point. And, and that is to me, that is so ridiculous that like you have to be super conciliatory. And even if you are, that people still throw a fit about it. We, there has to be a way for these people to, to be human and like say, yeah. no, I'm tired of putting up with this. And again, like if they had a, any structures that protected them or they weren't worried about like again they're all basically hoping for the lotto ticket where like some streamer picks them up or some some huge thing happens that makes them the triple a game and and instead like they're they're worried about having people send the cops to their house or you know having to move because they're getting death threats the scary thing is it's not even unique to like gamer culture i think that i honestly believe that this is inherent to like all fandoms of any kind people are just waiting for you to like lash out to just jump on a bandwagon of hatred against you and just continue to provoke you and create like a a self-sustaining cycle and it just it has i think it has something to do with just how social media dehumanizes us and commodifies our interactions to where it encourages shit like this I definitely think the social media stuff helped because I, I think somebody was asking what the first uh, incidents anybody could remember of, of like gamers being like this and all the ones before like 1994, like it doesn't, there's not the same structure that like yeah. lets people organize and anonymously lash out. But I also think it's like this weird combo of like all the worst parts about fandom and all the worst parts about the customer is always right. Consumer culture melded with that anonymity that the internet brings where like you don't have to tell this to somebody's face you can be behind like an avatar and and do it yeah and i think it all just comes together into this just horrifying like i I was thinking about this the other day like how would i even explain this to my parents hey remember when we used to play like dr mario and that was fun well now let me tell you like what the hellscape (laughs) is like and like it would be so so like it would be like you were making up a story like how did it get here and like now, if you release on the wrong uh, platform, you know, like people are coming for your head. That is, it's just so wild. Well, I wanted to just say, I think social media dehumanizes like targets of abuse. And um, one second, I just want to tweet out how going to go shit on David Koch's funeral. <laughs> Send tweet. <laughs> it doesn't count when they're billionaires. <laughs> I, I agree uh, in general with the social media, and I think too it it has a lot to do with the fandom. And I think I think it less a bit more is of a fandom and more is of an identity and how is the identity is structured. I mean, one could say I don't know, like something like the Steven Universe identity, you know, has some real crackers in it that you don't like, but the gaming identity is so huge and was kind of fostered as we discussed at the beginning uh, as as toys and totally depoliticized and there was no in, inherent message in there as opposed to something like star trek fans or people who identify as with the star trek brand there are shitheads within the star trek brand but 
there's such a specific message to Star Trek that even when people don't like things, it is overall like fairly supportive um, and doesn't usually have these kind of same incidents usually, you know, and that is something, you know, there's certainly exceptions, but to me, it's because when people engaged with Star Trek, they engaged, there were messages that were very clear cut and, you know, weren't hidden beneath the subtext that kind of formed this identity. So now that, that it is more mature and there's a ton of people who care about it a lot more than they should probably, it, it doesn't have that same kind of rancor when there are problems, when people don't like the new Star Trek or whatever. They just go, oh, that sucks, but, you know, whatever, I'll watch Deep Space Nine instead of, you know, telling uh, the the creators and the stars of Discovery that they should go kill themselves, which, <laughs> you know, I, I I hope hasn't happened anyways. Yeah. No, I, I think that's absolutely a fair point, and I think you do you do get levels of this. I do think it is across the board to some degree. It's just definitely what you fostered in your community uh, can can make a difference. All right. Well, let's close up with uh, with that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Josh. It's been uh, it's been a really great discussion. Uh, it's been a very long discussion. I, I you'll see this part in part two. Well, th- thank you very much for having me sorry for talking so much no no we loved it um it, it yeah. we really appreciate hearing uh, our things that we agree with told back to us <laughs> <laughs> uh this uh, nice and comfy echo chamber <laughs> where views are never challenged <laughs> glad i could help all right so josh where can people find you and your great work online I am at Huge Mantis on Twitter, uh, making bad tweets like everyone else. Hell yeah. And um, I'm I, I'm a free writer. This last piece was at the outline. I've been at Deadspin quite a bit. Um, hopefully, uh, someone will hear this. Pay me a ton of money to write for them. <laughs> also, excellent. And we will have the uh, the article in the show notes, and everybody should uh, check it out. And uh... Email it to their rich uncle who's hiring freelance writers. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Thank you. So, Reese, where can people find you online so they can scream at you for injecting politics into video games? You can find me at your very good bud on Twitter. Uh, the only person making good tweets. Uh, and <laughs> that's and a lot. Also... <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find with my uh, fake news joke account NY Times op ed. Now the Neo York Times, so Twitter doesn't ban the account. <laughs> you had like one tweet go fucking hugely viral. I don't know if we talked about it before, but uh, you were very popular with a QAnon crowd for a bit. I, I gave a, uh, <laughs> I, I posted a op-ed from Hillary Clinton eulogizing Jeffrey Epstein, and not a lot of people uh, caught that it was NEO instead of NE. Uh, w and said the New York Times is sick, Hillary Clinton is sick, and QAnon uh, really latched onto it. So I'm My really fa- helping out the discourse <laughs> with this one <laughs> by making jokes. Uh, I think my favorite is the person who says like, "Oh, this is satire," but I'm I'm fucking sick of satire. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair <laughs> criticism. All right, and you can find me at eight Alton eight on Twitter, where my jokes are extremely bad you can find my my latest tweet gonna go shit on david coke's funeral casket go ahead and give that a like give that a retweet 
uh, for encouraging uh, a humane treatment of your fellow man on social media. Um, David Koch didn't have a fucking Twitter account, did he? Uh, oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> oh my fucking god, he did. Rest, uh, rest in piss, David Koch. That's a final little goodbye. <laughs> and you can find uh, the vods for all our episodes on at Alton Plays, where you can also find me occasionally uploading gameplay videos. Which is uh, at this point, it's mostly just like me recording funny moments that I've had with my friends and the other Gigatwato uh, associates. Uh, so check that out. And you can find our official website at videogamesaretheworst.pinecast.co with all our episodes. Our official Twitter account, at Vigatwato, V-G-A. It's, it's the letters of yeah. the podcast. It's the first letters. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 and in the same vein, we also have a Patreon that follows the same oh, yeah, rules as our Twitter that. account. It's a riddle. Once you figure it out, you can give us $5 <laughs> for the premium service. Uh, gamers, put on your thinking caps. Solve <laughs> my solve my Patreon riddle. Josh, thank you so much for uh, goofing with us, enduring our endless chatter. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was a really great discussion. Hell yeah! Oh, thank you, Bill. All right. So until next time, bye everyone. Farewell. This episode is brought to you by our lovely patrons, Robert Miles, friend of a friend of the pod's cousin, a.k.a. Conky, Nines of Trine Winters Beautify the Heavens, a.k.a. Nazseeger, Nate M. Number One, Dono is short for donation, no such thing as character limb, oh boy, Jarhead Kuntz, Higgins the Seagull, Nick Rubin, Nathan Melby, Tholos, Kyle Reederman, Eggs, Tom Devan the Video Game Man, A Spooky Ghost, Jack Sammons, Dissonant Dragons, New Dark Cloud, Zachary LaPassa, and last but not least, Jordan. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>